Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Radio Mystery Theater presents... Are you ever overcome these days by a kind of helpless feeling that you are hopelessly trapped in a plastic world? That your life is invaded, even ruled, by that faceless, inhuman monster, the computer? This is the story of a man, such as you and me, and of the lengths to which we, too, might be driven. Water, look out! Oh, he, he could have killed us. It wasn't his fault. I didn't see him. Oh, but darling, you must have seen him coming out of the side road. No. I didn't see him. Oh, look, if, if you're planning to kill yourself, Walt, please don't do it with me in the car. Our mystery drama, Sorry to Let You Go was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. out to the machine. What will have defeated man is the machine's impersonality. You can't come to grips with a machine, let alone fight it. It's like all the mythic terror figures who grew a fresh arm or head as fast as you lopped it off, or drew new strength from the ground every time they were knocked down, or who were impervious to any fear of defeat, and so never suffered it. The machine suffers no reverses because it cannot feel. So in the contest, man must always be the loser. Or must he? September 14th, 1977. Requiescat in pace. Well, maybe. No more running away from that faceless ghost I was afraid to face. That modern-day specter that stalked my heels into the oblivion I was consigned to three months ago with five short words. Sorry to let you go. Sorry to let you go. Sorry to let you go. Files of records, Miss Thompson speaking. Well, no, I'm sorry, Mr. 
Portman Walter Hayes is out of the office at the moment. Yes, that's right. Today's the 14th of July. Oh, I see. Well, it's not on his calendar, but I'll be sure to remind him. Oh, Mr. Hayes, you just had a phone call. Oh, who was it? Uh, Mr. Portman, he wanted Forget to... it, Sandy. But, Mr. Hayes, it was business. All the more reason to file and forget it. I won't be taking any more calls, business or otherwise. Oh, what is it, Mr. Hayes? Can I help you? Yeah, I wish you could, but it's too late for that. Oh, well, what are you doing? Cleaning out my desk. Why? Because I just got my walking paper, Sandra. I'm leaving. What? You mean you... You were fired? Well, the actual words were a little kinder than that. Sorry to let you go. You mean just like that, with no warning? Just like that. The decision was made the way everything else around here is these days, by computer. But that's... That's inhuman. (laughs) Isn't it just? It's not fair. Well, I'll have time to look around. I get three months severance pay. Oh, I didn't mean that, sir. I meant you've been with this company for, well, how many years? Mm-hmm. I'd hate to count. Ever since I came out of college. All my business life. And you suddenly get dumped. It, it's a disgrace. I mean, a person could lose out maybe to another person who did the job better, but to get dumped by a machine. Well, it's a mechanical age. The new computer makes my job unnecessary. But it's scary. It could happen to all of us. Let me see. Pictures of my wife, Louise. Son, Buzz. Daughter, Susan. Desk pen. Fondly awarded with suitable inscription from a grateful company on my 10th anniversary. Engraved ashtray. Ditto my 15th year. (laughs) The good old days. B.C. B.C.? Before computers. Now, let's see what's in here. Back tissues, shirt button, World Almanac, 1963. Well, I'll take the pictures, the mementos, the almanac will go in the wastebasket. So, that's that. Uh, are you leaving now? Why not? I'm all packed. Not much to show for over 20 years' occupancy. I seem to have become quite a machine myself. Oh, that isn't true. You've been kind and patient and generous and... I don't know a nicer man. Well, thank you, Sandra. I hope my wife feels the same way when she gets the news. Oh, Mr. Hayes. Oh, come on now. Come on, Sandy. It isn't that bad. I'll tell you what. Why don't I blow you to a farewell lunch and a drink? Why, oh, I'd I better not. Oh, sure, of course. I, I forgot you have to stick around uh, and find a foxhole. I can't protect you anymore. Oh, it isn't that. It's what I was trying to tell you about the phone call. You've already got a lunch date. Mr. Portman is expecting you at Mario's. Ed? That's right. I'd forgotten about him. I don't know. I don't think I want to see any old friends. Wait a minute. He's just the guy I ought to see. You know, it's funny. Just a few months ago, he was talking to me about a position with his firm. Yep. I think lunch with Ed and a couple of strong martinis may be just what I need. Mr. Hayes? Yes, Sandy? I know you'll find something. Yeah. But walking through the office, watching how everyone averted glances and became suddenly busy, I wasn't quite so sure of myself. The first numbness was wearing off. Ah, don't be ridiculous, Walt, allowing these worms of doubt to nibble at your self-confidence. You'll find another job. No problem for crying out loud. 
friend Ed sitting at Mario's just, just waiting to offer you one. Now, what you need, Walt, is another drink. No, no thanks. You must have something on your mind. Now, what is it? Uh, dame trouble. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. I, uh... I've been kicking around the idea of maybe making a change in jobs, Ed. Well, why'd you want to do a thing like that? No, just a notion. Thinking back to something that you happened to mention a few months ago. Me? Mm, Don't you remember? You were all revved up about me coming over to your shop. Oh, forget it, Walt. Pipe dreams. We got in a new efficiency expert who blew the whole picture. We're not looking for warm bodies anymore. We're putting in the uh, mechanical marvels. Computers? Yeah. You shove a lousy card in the slot, and out comes the answer to everything. Look, Ed, I'm not joking. I'm asking you about that job you mentioned in your department in, in sales. No, 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 that's way below you, Walt. I mean, those guys start at 6500 in commission. If they rouse their bustles off, they're lucky to clear twelve to 15000 a year. And without the know-how, <laughs> even a guy like you couldn't climb back to his own salary in ten years. Walt, you're sitting in a catbird seat. <laughs> what do you want to change jobs for anyway? Ed, I just got fired. Hmm? I'm looking for a job. Oh, well, uh... No, no problem for you to find one, old buddy. I hope. Sure, sure. Oh, uh, hey, Walt, I meant to tell you when I came in, but we, uh, we kind of blew the lunch. I mean, it's a little late, and I'm going to have to duck out. Well, don't let me keep you. Oh, you understand. Oh, sure, uh, sure I do, Ed. Anton. Uh, no, 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 this is on me. What the heck? I'm the working still. No, no, I'll get it. I'm not on the ropes yet. No, no, my invite. I'll pick up the check. And, uh, well, uh, I'll do you one more favor, Walt. What's that? Free advice from an old salesman. Don't tell anyone else you're out of a job. Why? It's no disgrace? Maybe, but uh, take a tip and play it smart. Never carry your hat in your hand. Let him come to you. It's the way you can hold out for the dough. And at our time of life, the family load we carry, dough is the name of the game. What we gotta have, old buddy. And don't you ever forget it. So that's what my sometime friend, Ed Portman, left me with. Not the queasy seed of fear that was already there, but the fertilizer to nourish it and make it grow. Suddenly, a ghastly parade of all the things my paycheck went to sustain was unreeling in my mind. The payments on the house, the cars, the furniture. Well, that, that was only the beginning. There was taxes and uh, school fees, the wall-to-wall carpeting that had seemed such a necessity, light, heat, water, uh, commutation. There's nothing of insurance. Insurance on the house, the cars, hospitalization, furniture, the floater on personal items and jewelry. Most important of all, the company life insurance. That ends, too, with my job. The first thing I have to do is convert. No point in rushing to convert, Mr. Hayes. You're fully covered till the end of your severance. Well, I don't want to let it go. Oh, of course not. But at your age, conversion would be very expensive. Let's hope it can be avoided. Yes, let's do that. Wait a few weeks. As soon as you're employed again, undoubtedly there'll be a new group policy. And uh, if I'm not employed? Automatically, we'll convert to term life for you. Uh, Would you want to carry as much as your firm has been carrying? Well, of course. Why not? 
Well, without the advantage of a group rate... Well, I mean, as an individual, it would be rather costly. Well, there'll be one comfort. At least I'll know I'm worth something, even if it's dead. Oh, you'll be employed again in no time. No wonder. You better write up that policy just in case. Well, I'll send you a binder as soon as your present coverage runs out. All right. Uh, how much will it cost, by the way? At your present coverage, something between two and 3000 a year. But it won't be necessary. I'm sure you'll be back on some group plan any day. Any day. Mr. Swanson. Uh, yes? One more favor? Yes. If you should call or have to get in touch with me at home, I'd appreciate it if you, uh, if you don't mention anything about, uh, well, my wife uh, doesn't know about me, of course, and I'm not sure that she should yet. Why, Mr. Hayes, of course. That's your business. Not mine. When I left Swanson's office, I could have gotten the 305 home, but I didn't. My regular train was the 605, so I waited for that. It's been a long wait with nowhere to go and some extra drinks to pass the time. Maybe that accounted for my depression and my panic. I dreaded meeting Louise at the station. What was I going to tell her? The truth? I'd play it close to my vest till I found a new job. If I found a new job. That, as Hamlet said, was the rub. Well, thank heaven for some extra drinks and the monotonous motion of the train. At the moment, I can go to sleep and forget it. Still, as I drifted under, the terrible thought that was hammering in my head in time to the clacking wheels was, don't worry, Walt. You're worth more dead. Don't worry, Walt. You're worth more dead. Neurotic? Walter Hayes? Mr. Ordinary Commuter, Middle-Level Executive, secure in the high upper percentile of any job profile study in America? but now suddenly unemployed in a computerized society and joining a shockingly large army of his fellow citizens. Are his fears justified? Is it true that he is worth more dead than alive? I shall return shortly with Act Two. out of Grand Central, Walter Hayes is dying Shakespeare's little death. He is sound asleep, blissfully unaware of passing time. In a moment, he will wake to reality, that special shocking reality that he is a man without a job. A temporary situation, of course. Or is it? That's what we're about to find out. And just how desperate a man in Walter Hayes' position can become. I suppose the trainman must have called out Barrystone, the station before mine, or maybe it was the jolt of the train stopping and starting again, but suddenly, even with my eyes closed, I was awake and realizing that any moment now, after the drive from the station, I'd have to face my wife. What was I going to tell her? Walter, over here. 
Oh, hi, Louise. Well, how'd you get my car? Oh, darling, I'm sorry to greet you with disaster, Walt, but the generator went on the station wagon. Oh? I had to have it towed to the service station, and then I caught a maxi-taxi down to the parking lot to pick up your car. Oh, you poor darling. Sound as though it's been a bad day. Oh, horrendous. I hope yours was better. Mine? Yes. Darling, do me a favor. Of course. Don't give me any office cliffhangers. I don't think I could stand it. I'm just barely coping. I won't. No, don't go around. I'll I'll slide over. You drive. All right. Kids okay? At last report. About all that is. What's that mean? Oh, I don't know. The washing machine is making those ominous sounds again, and the septic tank man says we've got to have new fields. How much? Oh, we won't even estimate the way prices are. Well, cheer up, darling. It's only money. Yeah, which we never seem to have enough of. Oh, well, never mind me. How was your day? And if anything went wrong, don't tell me. I might dissolve in helpless tears. Oh, it was just a run-of-the-mill day. Nothing special. So that settled that. I wasn't going to tell Louise. I wasn't going to tell anyone that I'd lost my job. Not till I found a new one. Suddenly that cold wrenching was back in my stomach. Supposing I didn't. Involuntarily, I shut my eyes against the prospect. Walter, look out! Young fool, he could have killed us. It wasn't his fault. I didn't see him. You must have seen him coming out of the side road. No, I didn't see him. Oh, look, if, if you're planning to kill yourself, Walt, please don't do it with me in the car. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. You know I didn't mean that. Oh, my nerves are just shot today. Come on, let's get home. I knew now for sure one thing I could always do if I had the courage. I'd even said it openly to the insurance man. As long as the policy was in force, I was worth a lot more dead than alive. Maybe that was the answer. Uh, didn't your mother have a checkup today? She did. Well, what's the news? Oh, medically, healthy as a horse. Physically, I should say. What else? Oh, well, let's not drag through it. My mother is a horror, and we both know it, but we're stuck with it. Come on, darling. Let's get a move on. I'd like to get home. Doctors, don't any of them know what they're doing? What is it you're sorry they didn't find, Bertie? What does that mean? Mother, you don't have some major disaster to report. Well, you don't have to sound as if you're sorry, I don't believe. I was only trying to help out. What do doctors know? You can say that again. What? I mean, you already said it once. Just... Just a kind of a joke. I don't see anything funny about the state of my health. Neither do I, Bertie. What did you say? Oh, it's not worth repeating. Cheer up, Bertie. From the medical report, you're going to be around a long time. How do you know? Oh, I've got my troubles, but I just don't talk about them. Some of us know how to bear our crosses silently. Mother, will you stop being such a hypocrite? Hypocrite? That's what I said. To talk to a sick old woman like You're no more sick than I am. Or maybe I don't even mean that because I am sick. Sick? Of what? Of hearing you go on and on complaining. Louise, honey. No, Walt. 
Don't try to stop me. I, I've had a bad day, and Mother is the capper, and I can't take it. I've had her up to here. Well, I never. I suppose you wanted me to go to the doctor's and come back and tell you I was dying. Oh, for pity's sake, I That's couldn't... what you want, most of you, isn't it? You'd like to have me dead and out of the way. Oh, Bertie, I never even suggested, and I'm sure Lou didn't mean anything. If any... I put my mind to it, I'll outlive you all. No matter how much you'd like to see me gone. Of course, the whole thing was ridiculous. She was an impossible woman. But suddenly, what she was accidentally implying made a huge amount of sense. One thing Bertie had, in addition to a small trust fund, was a whopper of an insurance policy her ex-husband had taken out and which was all paid up. I suddenly looked at her in stark, horrible realization that if anyone had to die, it was better her than me. So for six weeks, I kept up my miserable masquerade. Every morning, I left on my regular train as if going to work exchanged the same stupid pleasantries with my supposed fellow laborers, and every night I returned in my regular 605, the same process in reverse. At first, the deception wasn't too difficult, because Sandra Thompson, my former secretary, was there to take messages and cover for me. Then came the moment of decision. Morning, Sandy. Oh, morning, Mr. Hayes. Uh, any messages for me? Uh, sorry, no. Well, that figures. You haven't found anything yet? Nope. Only bright spot is that I have you to cover for me in case something does turn up. I'll check back with you around noon. Um, Mr. Hayes? Yeah? I'm not going to be able to cover for you any longer. Oh? You see, I got my walking papers now. Not even the pool. Just two weeks to try to get located. Oh, that's a shame, Sandy. But you'll find something else. Will I? You haven't found it so easy, have you? Well, it's 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 different. For me, Sandy, I mean, I can't type or take dictation. I, I just execute. I'm learning by bitter experience that I don't know how to do anything else but run an efficient records and file system. And it seems a machine can do that better in the last analysis. It's machines for everything nowadays. Nobody seems to want people anymore. I hate that, that computer in there. You know, I've got so I dream about it at night. I have nightmares that it grows arms and legs and joins up with all the other computers to trample everyone to death. Like that big old machine. I, I can't think of the name of it. The juggernaut? That's it. A steamroller that crushes everyone to death that stands in its way. I tell you, I'm, I'm scared, Mr. Hayes. I know just how you feel, Sandra. Because so am I. So am I. So the masquerade became more and more difficult. The long hours in town more and more impossible to fill. I'd exhausted all avenues looking for work. It was getting too cold to sit in the park, and I could neither stand nor afford any more day-long movies. Better to spend the time in a bar nursing a drink. At least that ate away the cold edges of the icy terror that kept growing in me like a tumor. I should have had the courage to tell Louise the truth, but I didn't. Or to tell anyone the truth. Instead, more and more, I began to fantasize. And the main fantasy more and more became Bertie. Because if I couldn't support my family, she was the only possible means left. Walter. Walter. Huh? What's that? Who, who's there? I am. Don't make a fashion in It's Bertie. What are you doing here on the train? I'm not on the train. I'm in your 
about Bertie. Now, don't you now, Bertie me. You know you can't stand me. You want to get rid of me. Particularly now. That's a terrible thing to say. It would be a terrible thing to do. But it would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it, Walt? It isn't a matter of what you want, but just how to go about it. Isn't that it? No, no, please. Now, who's the hypocrite in the family? Face up, Walt. How about a a bad idea, is it? All my insurance? And we all know I smoke too much and get careless with cigarettes. Bertie, have a heart. Louise and the kids are going up to visit your folks. I'll be alone in the house. And you're supposed to be driving straight up to join them. Why don't you just burn up the whole house and me with it? and have a chance to make a fresh start. Where do you think you're going? I've got to get in there. That's my house. Hey, wait. Oh, now, 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 just take it easy, mister. No house is worth your life. It's not the house I'm worried about. That's all there is. Your neighbors just told us your whole family packed up in the station wagon and left a couple of hours ago. The house is empty. Nobody's in there. It was as though time stood still. There it was. The perfect opportunity. The perfect out. Laid right in my lap. Nobody but me knew that Bertie was in that house. How much weight would I carry on my conscience since Bertie herself, with her eternal falling asleep while smoking, must have started the fire herself? All I had to do was sit tight and leave Bertie to the fate she'd brought on herself. circumstances. No, I shouldn't say do. I should say, what would cross your mind? The temptation might be there, wouldn't you say? But of course, you or I would resist it. Or would we? Let's find out anyway what Walter Hayes did when I return shortly with Act Three. It wasn't a very big fire, but the danger was. It was a foam rubber fire. Ever seen or experienced what foam rubber does when it burns? It creates a thick, black, acrid smoke that clogs the lungs and can smother you in moments. This fire is mainly confined to the chair where Bertie had been sitting when she fell asleep and the lit cigarette dropped from her fingers. Now a few pitiful, staggering steps from it she lies, a frail little heap on the floor, overcome by the greasy, suffocating smoke. One small step in time from eternity. What do you mean there's nobody? My mother-in-law's in there. Holy Maloney! Jim! Fred! 
get some oxygen and follow me in. And get a pool motor on standby. There's an old lady trapped inside. A wave of relief swept over me. I couldn't stand, Bertie. The accidental death would have been a blessing to me and my family. If I'd kept quiet, the fireman would have been too late to save her. But I couldn't have her death on my conscience. For the first time in weeks, I felt like a man again. But my relief was short-lived. The next two weeks were murdered, living in a motel while the house was cleaned and restored. Oh, poor darling, you look a wreck. Couldn't you take some time off from the office? No, no, I can't, Lou. The bills are piling up. Yes, but the insurance company pays for everything, doesn't it? Well, the home insurance, up to a point. I mean, there's an allowance, but it doesn't quite cover it. Oh, thank the Lord for it, though. You know, it's a wonderful thing, insurance. I don't know what we'd be doing without it. Now, it's one thing I'll make sure you never have to do without. What'd you say? Nothing, honey, nothing. There's my train. I better get going. Yeah, see you tonight. Hmm? Oh, yeah, sure. Walt? What, dear? Just, I love you very much, and... And what? <laughs> Nothing. Only that I'm always sorry to let you go. All the way in on the train, that damn phrase kept running around in my mind like a hamster on a wheel. Sorry to let you go. Sorry to let you go. The way all this had started. The way more and more it seemed it must inevitably end. Poor Lou. She had no idea how near she was to losing me. Oh, how I longed to tell her the way things really were, to have her put her arms around me and comfort me. Hi, Lou. Oh, darling. How was your day? Oh, the usual. Oh, you look so tired. Come on, climb in. I'll drive. Yeah, I could stand that. How was your day? Oh, don't mention it. We're not going to get back in the house for at least a week. The kids are griping about the motel. My hairdresser just retired to get married. And the vacuum hose is busted again. Two days of birdie home is enough to drive anyone up the wall and... Oh, did you bring home your check? Hmm? Oh, no, I forgot to pick it up. Why? Oh, it was just a... Well, I had a call from the bank. They said we're overdrawn. Overdrawn? That's mm. ridiculous. I'll straighten that out with Charlie Northrup first thing in the morning. Well, he seemed sort of upset as if... Lord, there isn't anything wrong, is there? Wrong? What could be wrong? I don't know. You just... No, you just haven't seen yourself lately. Well, with the fire and all, nobody has. I meant even before that. Look, Lou, it's just that I've been working too hard, well, that's all. Well, it's about time they paid you properly for it. Aren't you due for a raise? Not this year. Look, Lou, I... I don't know why. The very least I hope you expect is a thundering good bonus. We can use it. I don't understand how with all the money you make, we're in debt up to our ears. Funny. I was ready to tell Lou just before she brought up the debts. But, I don't know, that kind of knocked the pins out from under me. I was ashamed to tell her what we were about to face. I felt inadequate. Ashamed. I couldn't admit it. That I was a failure. I mean, Luke could have married any one of a dozen guys who'd all become big success stories. Most of them are still our friends. I didn't want them to know about me, so... Now I was no longer just afraid, I was desperate. 
That's why when I bumped into Ed Portman the next day, even though I knew he'd been avoiding me, I was ready to swallow my pride. Hi, Ed. Well, hey, Walt. Where you been hiding yourself? Oh, I've been around and just haven't run into you. Yeah, well, I've been on the road quite a bit. Say, how's it going, fella? Well, uh, I'm still out of a job. Hey, that's tough. Say, I wish I'd run into you sooner. We could have shot the breeze some. But you just caught me on the way to a board meeting. Look, maybe that's a good time. Yeah. Maybe you could put me up for a job. Hey, now, we talked about that, remember? Ed, you... You, uh... Once couldn't wait to have me come over with you. You said that. Yeah, 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 but the uh, the boat sailed on Look, that. Ed, I'm desperate. Get me anything, Ed. Take me on as a salesman. Oh, now that's for kids fresh out of college. It's expensive training, Walden. And you can't expect the company to lay out like that for a man your age. Ed, I've got to get something. What am I going to do? Oh, well, something will turn up. Hey, look, look, look. Take this card. Tie these people. Who, who are they? Uh, just what the doctor ordered for you. A real live wire agency for placing people in executive positions where you belong, Walt. If anyone can find you a spot, they can. Oh, well, I, I gotta run, I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you. He waddled away, even his back expressing relief that he'd gotten away from the leper. I was so mad for a moment that I was looking at him through a red haze, my hands gripped so tightly that the nails dug into my palms. My hand stopped shaking. I read the card. Executives Unlimited, it said. For the chance of a lifetime. And the last chance may be of mine. I decided to follow it up. I don't know how I got through the next days waiting to hear from the agency. I'd left my dossier with them and they'd promised to be in touch. Then this morning, today, the letter setting the appointment was there. Along with another one from the insurance company. It was a new policy for term life. And the premium was $2,740. It might as well have been $27 million. I had one check left on my severance pay still coming, and the old insurance was still in force until the end of the month. I went by the office to pick up my last check, and on the way out, I stopped in the computer room. I watched it clicking away, impersonally doing my job. It was all I could do not to tear it apart, to smash it, destroy it as it had destroyed me. And feeling a little ridiculous, I headed for my interview. I have read your background, Mr. Hayes. It's very impressive, but I'm afraid we can't help you. Why not? We couldn't hope to find you anything at your price level. Well, uh, I'm willing to take a little less than I was making. That wouldn't help. Well, you don't question my ability. It isn't a matter of that, sir. It's your age. My age? I'm only 48. In today's corporate setup, the fringe benefits make you, I'm afraid, virtually unemployable. What do you mean? Pension, insurance, welfare, major medical. It's just a statistical matter, of course, but for a company to employ you at the cost rates for your age bracket would be ruinously expensive. The rates would be prohibitive. Well, look. Suppose I wanted to waive the fringe benefits. Isn't that possible? In certain special and isolated cases, yes. But not with the companies we deal with, or most companies today. It's hopelessly inefficient for them to make personal deals at the middle level. They look for someone to fit the machine. The machine? Yes, sir. You're telling me that I'm not employable? Not quite, sir. What I say... What kind of a world is this that's run by machines? 
No matter what my background or intelligence or ability, you're telling me that because I've reached a certain age, I don't punch up the right holes in a card so I don't fit the machine? That the mistake I make in being a, is being a human being and not a mechanical robot designed to fit the right blueprint and specifications? Isn't there any room in the world for people anymore? I don't remember getting home. I just remember too many drinks while waiting for the regular train and the dull, throbbing knowledge that it was over, really all over. I was going to have to be dead to be worth a damn. I drove home from the station parking lot. Louise opened the door for me. Walter, what's the matter with you? What's the difference? Keep your voice down. The difference is there's a living room full of friends waiting for you. Darling, don't you remember? It's our anniversary party. No, no. Look, I don't... I, I... I can't see anyone. Walter, you've been drinking. Oh, my darling, what is it? What's changed you? You, you push me aside. You avoid your friends. Darling, what's happened? You, you're not ill, are you? Yes, I'm sick. I'm sick to death, Lou. You want to know what happened? I can't face any of you because I'm a failure. I lost my job three months ago, and I can't get another. And I found out today I never will. The only way I'll be of any use anymore is to be dead. rendezvous made for me three months ago. The only voice sounding in my ear, the echo of my sentence. Sorry to let you go. Sorry to let you go. I came back to pain. Pain in every bone of my body. during the four days the doctors have been putting you back together. Am I back together? Oh, well, it'll take time, but you'll be as good as new. Uh, no way. There wasn't any use before I cracked up. Not going to be any use after. Oh, now, just knock it off. What was the matter with you, anyway? I mean, why didn't you tell me? What was the big secret? Lou, the big secret is it's a machine age. There's no room for people anymore. Oh, come off it. The only thing that counts is people. The right ones. Don't ever sell them short. Lou, I couldn't find a job. Because you didn't ask people. Why, Jack Snow and Hank Jessup both have jobs waiting for you as soon as you're on your feet. If they'd known you were out of work, they'd have grabbed you in a minute. It's not that easy, Lou. Today it's all machines. Oh, that's silly. Nothing but computers. If I were you, I wouldn't sell computers short. Why? What do you mean? But, darling... If it weren't for a computer, we wouldn't be sitting pretty financially till you're back on your feet and ready to go to work. What? Well, 
that's how they found the guy who drove you off the road and didn't stop. What do you mean, how they found them? Uh, there were tire tracks, smudges of his paint on your car, some chrome ripped off his car, and a piece of the license plate. A very smart police sergeant programmed all the clues and fed them into a computer. The computer put the finger on the hit-and-run driver. Ah, you see? The computer... You can't win. Oh, darling, yes, you can. No matter how complicated it is or how efficient, the machine still has to be run by someone. People are the only thing that really count. Walt? Yeah, honey? Uh, Buzz is all ready to cut the grass, but the darn machine won't start. <laughs> Would you mind? Uh, of course not, darling. My pleasure. I feel very confident as I kiss my wife. It's the last day of my convalescence, and tomorrow I go to work. Ironically, I'll be programming systems for a computer. But I'm top dog, you see. Because a machine is only as good as the man that runs it. People are what really count. time the electric bill is wrong, or a credit card company is still irritatingly tacking on that finance charge you don't owe, don't feel too bad about the computer. It's only as good or bad as the person that runs it. I'll be back shortly. Suddenly, in leaving you, I feel a small twinge of guilt. Perhaps in this conflict of today between man and machine, I'm a little too optimistic. Day by day, the machine becomes more sophisticated. Perhaps someday, we may lose out. It was Satchel Paige who said, Never look back. Something might be gaining on you. Our motto might be, don't look too far into the future. We may find that it has. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Bryna Rayburn, Leon Janney, Arnold Moss, and Joan Shea. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Hmm. Something so mysterious about those men. Oh, yes, mysterious. That's the word. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget their faces. I I can tell you that. Yes, especially the second man. You know, you know the phrase that comes to my mind? You know what the phrase is? The walking death. Yes. His face was more transparent than white. Like a face of impure wax. Oh, who? What a strange feeling has come over me, like like a chill. Yes, I think a breath of air is what we need now. Oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll second that. Those two men down there have knocked the stuffing out of me. I, I can't imagine why. What did you call the second man? The, the one who was chasing the first? You mean the way he looked? Uh, yeah, I remember. The walking death. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater... For another adventure in the macabre. 
Until next time, pleasant dreams.